for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another, the NASB says, helper, that he may be with you forever. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. And so we're going to start there at John 14 and and 16, but we're going to go through a few different verses. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. You can talk back to me. You all know this all family. So John 14 and 16, and we're going to start there because I want to do just a really brief study on the Holy Spirit. That I know we don't have a lot of time, and I'm not going to preach all day long. Y'all know me. Uh, but due to the time restraints and the constraints of my own understanding, I'm not going to go into this too deeply. But I want to make sure we have an understanding of the Holy Spirit, the helper that is mentioned here in John 14 and, and, and 16. And... Uh, I know we're going to go into this deeper, as uh, Pastor Devin mentioned. You're going to be here on Wednesday for our Go Deeper service. As we walk through the Word of God, we're going to grow an understanding of our statement of faith and the foundations of this church. And so we'll touch on more about the Holy Spirit then. Um, But I want to make sure that we have some sort of idea uh, of, of the helper, the Holy Spirit. And there's so much to know and discuss when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to uh, uh, look into that a little bit today. And there's a lot that we talk about when we talk about God, right? We understand that God is one, that he is is one God, but three persons, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we have a really good understanding of God the Father. And I think that's because we know what fathers do. It's a really clear way to uh, relate to God the Father because fathers do what? They nurture, they care for their children, they protect, they provide. We know the impact that fathers have on their children or even the impact of an absent father. And that, that's a bit of my testimony that my father was um, not really involved in my life for the vast majority of my life. And we have a better relationship now. But I remember being around eight or nine and I was talking to my mom before we went to church and I was just like, I, I don't have a good relationship with my dad, but I know I have a heavenly father. How can I connect to the Heavenly Father? That I understood that I had a father that loved me beyond some of the other issues and trauma and drama that I had with my earthly father at that time. I understood that I had a Heavenly Father that loved me with an everlasting love so I could connect to God the Father really easily because I understood the impact of not having one very active in my life. So we understand God the Father very easily and we understand God the Son. Jesus is tangible. His life and his ministry is not just described in the holy text in the Gospels, but historians have written about Jesus. We know that Jesus came bodily, that he walked this earth while conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of a woman. He had on flesh, right? 
Hebrews on 4 and, and 15 says, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched by this feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So we can relate to Jesus because Jesus came bodily. He had human experience, right? And so we understand that. We, we testify about Jesus. We understand the power of, of Christ's salvation, right? We, we just sang about the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the blood of Jesus. I remember uh, an undergrad around my last year at U of M, I was driving to church. It was, um, uh, I want to say, like middle of December, and we were getting ready to go to church so early, the roads were still messed up, and as I was driving on 23, me and three other friends, um, I began to spin out. And as I began to spin out, I recognized something bad was going to happen. So I, I just called on the name of Jesus. That's all I knew to do. And my car ended up flipping over three times before stopping. But all I knew was to call on the name of Jesus because I had a connection. I understood I could relate to the name and the power of Jesus. The same Jesus who died for my sin and had power to raise up from the dead could protect me and all my friends in the car on our way to church. So I called on the name of Jesus. Jesus and all four of us were able to walk out of that accident. Hallelujah. 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 So I know God the Father because I understand what fathers do. I know God the Son, Jesus. I have an intimate relationship with Jesus, but God the Holy Spirit, it's a bit of a mystery, right? It's a little bit difficult to wrap our minds around the Holy Spirit. And it's difficult to preach about because the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit in ways that are really intangible. That if you look at the Old Testament in Job 33 and 4, that it talks about the Spirit of God as the breath of God. Job 33 and 4 says, the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. The Ruach, the breaths. Again, something that I really can't hold the New Testament references the Holy Spirit and other intangible metaphors as a mighty rushing wind in Acts 2 and 2. These are things like I can feel wind, I can kind of blow on my hand and feel breath, but it's still not something that I can really relate to, right? So the Holy Spirit remains a bit of a mystery. And then, you know, to make things more complicated, when we talk about the Holy Spirit in church, it can get a bit weird, Let's be honest. It's okay and acknowledge that, right? That I've had some, you know, awkward church experiences where I know something spiritual has happened or something is going on spiritually, but then no one kind of follows it up and explains what happened. And I'm just like a little feeling like out of the loop. Am I the only person that have kind of had some weird, awkward spiritual church experiences, especially when people start talking about the Holy Spirit. So we don't have really tangible references in the Bible. And then when we go to church, sometimes we have these weird spiritual experiences. And so we get confused about the Holy Spirit. So John 14 and 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And we're going to look at this word helper because I know depending on your translation, it may be comforter, it may be advocate, it may be counselor. And so we'll, we'll talk about this word, word helper in a minute. But what does the Holy Spirit have to do with the sermon series, Help Wanted? 
that Pastor Devin's been taking us through these various uh, sermons to get us to understand how to serve in the church. So what does this have to do with Help Wanted? Pastor asked me to conclude the Help Wanted series, and I began to study and pray, and I'm coming up with different ideas, and I just kept getting convicted. I kept, God just kept bringing me back to John 14 and 16. And I kept hearing, how can you attempt to help others when we forfeit the help from the Holy Spirit every day? How can I say that I'm going to be a helper, that I'm going to come down to the altar, I'm going to be a helper, I'm going to serve, when we disregard the help that we so desperately need and that's provided in the Holy Spirit? I couldn't shake it. I couldn't get away from this. So that's why we're looking at the Holy Spirit today. So we're just going to explore two things. Who is this helper? Who is the Holy Spirit? And what kind of help does the Holy Spirit provide? So who is the Holy Spirit and and what kind of help does the helper provide? And as I said, this is not going to be exhaustive. This is just going to kind of give an idea of who is the Holy Spirit as our helper, looking at the text in, in John. So... Let's explore uh, who is the Holy Spirit. These are Jesus' words on the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper that, you may be, that he may be with you forever. And that word helper, in the Greek, there's a verb called uh, parakletos. And so you may see in certain translations, they actually, instead of saying helper, they say paraclete. And some people may have even, uh, you heard that word throughout church, the paraclete. So what does that verb mean? And what, what does that noun paraclete actually mean? It means to exhort, to encourage, to comfort, and to console, to call upon for help. So the paraclete, is someone who exhorts, someone who comforts, someone who helps, someone who makes an appeal, that word advocate, on someone else's behalf, like in a legal sense. So based on how one chooses to translate the Greek to the English, they just choose one of those words. So they'll say, ah, okay, we know paraclete can mean advocate, so I'm just going to choose advocate. We know the paraclete can mean helper, so I'll just choose helper. But I think the word paraclete, it, it, it gives us a little bit more comprehensive understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. Because I can't just choose one. I'm sorry. I need a comforter. I need an advocate. I need a counselor. I need a helper. So I may use the word paraclete in this sermon instead of saying helper sometimes because the paraclete means so much more. Jesus says, I will ask of the Father, and he'll give you another paraclete, another helper. So that leads me to question, well, who is the first? If I'm going to get another, that means who, who is the first? Paraclete is not just a name, but it is a function. It is a continuation of the work started in Jesus. Jesus is the first paraclete. Hallelujah. Let's look at this. Jesus brings about salvation, amen, that his sacrifice on the cross. Salvation comes through Jesus, and it is a complete work that he provides on the cross, one paraclete. The Holy Spirit continues the work of sanctification, the other paraclete. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, one paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Another paraclete. Jesus teaches, and he teaches the disciples. He teaches us through his word. That's one paraclete. The Holy Spirit reminds, brings to remembrance what Jesus taught. That's the other paraclete. The Holy Spirit shares in the work of Jesus. 
Amen. They work in tandem together. And so when he says, I'll give you another, he's, the disciples understand that Jesus has been all that to them and more. And so he's like, listen, even though I'm going to die on the cross for your sins and I'm going to return back to the Father, I'm not going to leave you without help. And so I've given you the word of truth. The spirit of truth will come and remind you of that truth. So we have help in Christ and we understand how to access help in Christ. But we don't access the help that we have in the Holy Spirit. This theologian, William Robinson Clark, wrote, he has a book called The Paraclete. He says, Jesus is our advocate and intercessor before the throne of God, and the Holy Spirit is the advocate and intercessor within our hearts. And we need one as much as we need the other. For if on one hand we have no right to draw near to the throne of, the, of heavenly grace, but through the blood of Jesus, on the other hand we have no power to pray, but through the grace of the Holy Spirit. We know that we cannot have access to the Father except through his Son. So we understand we need the first paraclete to be our advocate. So if we recognize we need help with salvation, that we cannot save ourselves, how much more help do we need in our own spiritual growth and walk with God? How much more help do we need? So we now understand who is the Holy Spirit. He is the other paraclete. He is our help, our advocate, our intercessor, our comforter that continues the work of Christ. That's just one function that Jesus uh, uh, kind of explains in John, that the Holy Spirit is our help, our advocate, our intercessor that continues his work. So now let's look, what help does the helper provide? So I have four different ways that the helper gives us help, that the paraclete, the Holy Spirit provides support for us. The Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us, John 14, verse 26, and we'll look at these verses separately. The Holy Spirit testifies of Christ, John 15 and 26. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the paraclete, convicts and guides, John 16, 8 through 15. And the Holy Spirit intercedes, Romans 8, 26 through 27. So we write those down. They should be on the screen. And we're going to go over each of those briefly. Amen? Y'all still with me say amen? amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, again, in light of help wanted, what kind of help does the Holy Spirit provide for us as we help others? Let's look at John 14 and 26. The Holy Spirit helps us by teaching us. But the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Jesus brings up the Holy Spirit in this discourse, which is called uh, the, this farewell discourse. It starts in John 13. So John 13 through 17 is what's known as this farewell discourse. It's kind of the last time that Jesus really uh, has a, uh, um, a conversation with the disciples. And so in John 13, he kind of lays out his commandments. He lays out some, uh, some of his last parting words of wisdom to the disciples. And John 13, he tells them, I want you to love one another and keep my commandments. Love one another. Keep my commandments. Love me. Love everyone else and keep my commandments. That's John 13. And then he follows it up with John 14. And here's a helper who will teach you, who will help you. And I think there's some kind of connection and correlation between the commandment to love and the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to love one another. 
We need the Holy Spirit to remind us to love one another. Because I will be honest, I'm selfish. I'm self-absorbed. I'm a bit of a mess. And because I can focus only on what's going on in my life, I need the Holy Spirit to remind me that there's somebody else that's going through too. I need the Holy Spirit to remind me to walk in kindness, to extend grace. Just as much grace I want people to have with me, I need to have that with others. Just as much mercy that I think I deserve and need, I need to extend that mercy to others. And I can't do that on my own because I'm hardwired. I'm predisposed to kind of be selfish. And so Jesus understands, listen, I want you to follow my commandments. I want you to live a life that reflects this word. I want you to love others. I understand you can't do it alone, so here's a helper. He's going to remind you. He's going to teach you. The paraclete doesn't teach us anything new, but just keeps on reminding us Jesus' commandments and keep it alive in our hearts. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to love one another, to remember his word, to love one another, and to follow his commandments. Teach us, Holy Spirit, today. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit teaches and reminds. And then the Holy Spirit testifies. John 15 and 26. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And now I, I kind of want to add on to that verse 27. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The paraclete, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth that testifies about the work of Christ. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' commandments, and he reveals and confirms who Jesus is. We are also to bear witness. Jesus encourages and, and declares that we will bear witness, but we can't bear witness without the Holy Spirit. If we bear witness without the Holy Spirit, our witness is powerless. Because we don't have that spirit of truth abiding within us. Essential to our witness, again, is demonstrating love. So in John 13, he gives them the commandment to love. 14, he talks about the paraclete. And then John 15, again, if you look a couple of verses ahead, uh, uh, pre, excuse me, prior to verse 26, John 15 and 17, we see a pattern here. That 15 and 17, Jesus says again, a commandment I leave with you is to do what? Love one another. And so uh, essential to our witness, again, is love. And I'm so grateful that Jesus knows me far better than I will admit. And he understands that I can't love without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, I want you to love again because I know you didn't get it the first time. So I'm going to tell you again in this discourse to make sure I drive the point home that you are to love one another, to serve and, and help in love, demonstrating that love. But again, you're not going to do it alone. You're going to bear witness to that love, but the Holy Spirit will testify of me. The Holy Spirit will, will testify and, wit and bear witness in that love. So a few more uh, uh, functions of the Holy Spirit, and then we, we will dismiss. Amen. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit testifies of Christ. And then the Holy Spirit convicts and guides. This is John 16. And really, it's John 16, verses 8, all the way through 15. But I just want to highlight John 16 and 8. The Holy Spirit convicts and guide. And he, meaning the Holy Spirit, meaning the helper, the paraclete, when the paraclete comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. 
The Holy Spirit convicts and guides. As we help others in this church, and I, I speak to this church specifically because, you know, let's acknowledge that we are on the corner of Woodward and Six Mile, right? <laughs> that we are in Highland Park, right? So we will encounter people who have lived all different walks of life. We're going to encounter people that may come into these doors that they, they, they may not uh, live up to the expectations that we give people when they enter into the house of God. We have all these certain rules. We have all these certain uh, expectations of what people should dress and what people should do when they come into the house of God, right? And so because we have these preconceived notions, we think that we can convict, that we can judge of sin and righteousness, because people don't fit nicely into how we want people to act in the house of God. You can be quiet, but I'm going to say amen anyhow. Because I know it's true that because of where we are, because of outreach and the work that we do, we can help others and serve others, but we may serve others judgmentally. But it says that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. We want to be the ones that judge. We want to be the ones that, that do that conviction. Tell someone that that's not your job. That's the function of the Holy Spirit. Because when we attempt to convict others, it'll lead to condemnation. When we attempt to convict others, it'll lead to shame and guilt. When we attempt to convict, it will lead to church hurt. And I don't know about you, but I've experienced that before. When all you want to do is just serve God or all you want to do is learn more about God, but someone has already made these assumptions on who you are because you don't fit nicely into the mold because you may sin differently because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But because you sin differently, you make that decision to convict and, 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 and to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. But that's the function of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to move out of the way and let the Holy Spirit have its way. Because when the Holy Spirit convicts, it leads to repentance. When the Holy Spirit convicts, it leads to changed lives. When the Holy Spirit convicts, it leads to deliverance. When the Holy Spirit convicts, it leads to transformation. So I'm going to get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to help. Help wanted, help necessary, hope needed. I can't help and serve others unless I'm doing it through the love of Christ. I can't help and serve others if I'm helping and judging while I'm helping. I can't help and serve others without the help of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. It reminds us of the word of God. The Holy Spirit testifies of Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts and guides. And the Holy Spirit intercedes. And so we've been looking really in the Gospel of John, looking at Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit. And so now I want to kind of jump into a Pauline epistle. Well, Paul doesn't use the term paraclete. He does speak about the function of the Holy Spirit throughout his various epistles. And I want to highlight Romans, Romans 8, 26 through 27, highlight a hope that we have access to, but rarely redeem. Romans 8, verses 26 through 27. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts know what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit intercedes because we do not know how to pray as we should. We do not know how to pray because we don't know what we really need. His intercession is directly connected to our needs. Paul says the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. Other translations say the Spirit helps in our infirmities. It says the Spirit helps in our feebleness. It helps in our frailty. We are limited in our understanding and so we're limited in our prayers, and we cannot pray appropriately. Paul, who was a theologian in his own right, Paul, who was a scholar, Paul, who understood and had intimate relationships, said, we don't know how to pray. It's because we have limited understanding, but the Holy Spirit is omniscient, just like God the Father. The Holy Spirit is omniscient, just like God the Son, and so he knows what to pray for. We pray according to what we think we know. We pray according to what we think is best. We pray according to what we think we may need. We pray according to what we desire. I, I can be honest. I pray about what would make me feel better. I pray about what I think would satisfy the need that is going on in my life. But just because I'm praying a desire, just because I'm praying something that'll make me feel better, isn't what I actually need. The Holy Spirit intercedes. He comes alongside. He helps. He searches my heart, and he knows the will of God the Father. So when he prays, he's praying according to God's will and not according to my desires. When the Holy Spirit prays, he is praying according to what God's plan is ultimately for my life and not praying according to my comfort. When the Holy Spirit intercedes, he's praying according to what he knows is coming ahead that I can't see because I don't know what's going to be ahead of me the next week, the next month, the next year, but the Holy Spirit will intercede for me according to the will of God the Father. So if anybody needs help in prayer, I ask that you would help and pray. Help me, Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Because he communicates beyond my language. It says that he, that he prays and intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. I love the way the NASB translates that. With groanings too deep for words. And many people, they look at that scripture and they think it only references a prayer language, uh, tongues. And yes, it can speak to that, but it's so much more than that. There's a Pastor David from Calvary Chapel. He says, intercession of the Holy Spirit is simply communication beyond our ability to express. That the intercession of the Holy Spirit is just communication beyond our ability to express. And for some, that is praying in a different language, but it's literally, I don't have the words. I don't know what to pray. 
I don't know if you can testify to this, but it's happened to me many a times that I will rise up early to pray and words just won't come. That I'll go before the throne of grace and all I can pray are tears. That I go before the throne of grace and words just won't form. And I get frustrated in my prayer life. And I look to God, God, I want to pray, but I just don't know. I'm so overwhelmed with what's going on in my life. I'm overwhelmed with what's going on in the world. I'm overwhelmed with what's going on on my job, and I don't have words. And sometimes when I'm that frustrated in prayer, instead of relying on the Holy Spirit to intercede, I just abandon it. Just like, well, God, I, I just don't know what to do. Let me just go ahead and get ready for work. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. And my mind is distracted. My mind isn't clear. And because I can't gather it and hold it together, I'm just like, okay, Lord, I don't know what to do. Or I'll just pray some empty words that I know isn't what really is going on. And I'm forfeiting the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to intercede for me. The Holy Spirit is waiting to intercede for you. He's waiting to communicate beyond your ability to express. Have you ever had a moment where you just don't have words to give? The Holy Spirit is waiting to provide that intercession and pray according to the will of the Father. Holy Spirit, pray for me. We don't have to be frustrated in our prayer. The Holy Spirit that teaches and reminds us about God's word, the Holy Spirit that testifies of Christ, that guides us, that convicts, also intercedes and is waiting to pray for you so that you can experience peace. The Holy Spirit, it helps in our weaknesses, and we have a multitude of weaknesses. I have a lot of infirmities, a lot of frailties, a lot of feebleness, but I think the one that I struggle with the most is self-reliance. It's thinking that I have it all together, thinking that I can do this, thinking that I have the answers, thinking that I have the words, thinking that I can do all these things because the word of God says, listen, he's given me all things that pertains to life and godliness, so I'm okay, I got this. But, uh, but included in the things that he's given us, all things that pertains to life and godliness, is also the Holy Spirit. And I'm hindering God from doing a great work in my life when I think that I can just go boldly before the throne of grace without allowing the Holy Spirit to have its way. Yes, we have access to the Father through his Son. Yes, he's given us all those things. Yes, we can go boldly before the throne of grace, but we have the Holy Spirit to intercede where our ability ends because our ability will end. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. That we are forfeiting an opportunity to receive a great help from the paraclete. To communicate beyond our understanding. To remind us of the word of God even during our prayer. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to be before you long, but I, I want to take a moment so that we can have access to the greatest intercessor. That we come to church and we, I, it's happened to me sometimes, I come to church like, Lord, I just need somebody to pray for me. 
And because I'm so stuck on my own self-reliance, I'm so stuck on thinking that I have to have all the answers, I'm sitting there waiting for somebody to recognize that I need help and to pray for me. And I recognize the Holy Spirit's been waiting there the entire time, desiring to pray for me. Hallelujah. So I invite you now just to stand to your feet. Amen. Hallelujah. That if we have access to the greatest intercessor, why do we continue to forfeit it? Why do we continue to neglect the great gift of communication beyond our ability? That if we are going to move forward and help others, that Pastor Devin gave us that, uh, that, that image of the circles. I don't know if you all remember that, of the outer circle, meaning that we come to church just for entertainment, just to enjoy ourselves. And that we come to church and we might serve a little bit. But that, that inner uh, uh, circle, that inner approach to helping was bearing the burdens of the church. Bearing the burdens of the body of Christ. We can't bear burdens without the help of the Holy Spirit. We can't move from just entertainment to then serving in ministry without the work of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.